This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 112 for Monday, April 15th, 2013. 112. 112. Isn't that it's a not, tween? It's not binary. And a tween, isn't that uh, a 12-year-old is a tween? Yep. So 112. That's where I got that. I, I, all right. I didn't see where your brain was going there, but now I get it. Yeah. Now I get it. Sorry, I derailed you. What are we talking about? Nothing. I'm just starting the show. Oh, okay. And um, I'm Jason. That's right. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, so we should probably mention it because it happened so uh, so recently. Earlier this afternoon, a couple of bombs exploded in Boston. Yeah, I heard that. And at the end of the Boston Marathon. And, you know, I, I, I don't normally mention stuff like that that's happening in the real world. We exclusively talk about the fantasy world here, generally. True. But since it happened this afternoon and we're recording so soon after it, it's, uh, you know, it's just about quarter to eight on Monday night here right now. I just thought I should say, you know, that uh, it's it's a terrible thing and our sympathies go out to anyone who is affected by any of the occurrences in Boston today. I agree. And with that, I think we can move on to a lighter note, such as today being National Take a Wild Guest Day. Okay, let's see. Uh, I would say it is National uh, Tulip, Yellow Tulip Day. <laughs> nope, it is actually National Take a Wild Guess Day. Oh, so that, that wasn't what I was supposed to do. I was... The day today honors guesses, hunches, inspirations, speculations, gut feelings, and other forms of intuitive intelligence. Also known as bullshit. Right. Well, speaking of bullshit, I got a, I got a jar of jelly beans here. Okay. It's a jar of jelly beans. It sure is. You can hear it shaking. I thought this might be sort of sort of a fun thing to do. Here's here's what we're gonna do, Jason. Okay. You're gonna guess how many jelly beans are in this jar. Okay. And then Do you know the answer? No, I do not. Okay. I do not know the answer yet, but I will. Is it written on the bottom? It's not written anywhere. Okay. You can hold the jar if you'd like. I, I would like that. Um, what's gonna happen is you are going to guess how many jelly beans are in that jar, and then the listeners Whoever's listening are going to have to guess at your over-under. So if you guess, you know, 100, for example, the listeners, I want everyone to write in and guess how many over or how many under Jason is on his guess on this uh, for the number of jelly beans in this jar. Okay, so I guess my question is, uh, do I take a wild guess or do I estimate? That's your decision. I'm going to post a picture of the jar. Uh, so that people have an idea of what it looks like and how big it is. It's a standard size mason jar, I'll just say. It is a mason jar, a probably 24 ounces. I, I don't know for sure. I just pulled it out of the closet or uh, out of the cupboard upstairs. The, the mason jar cupboard. Right. And um, so you're going to guess. Now, I was going to say, you can either go with uh, an educated estimation. You could go with... You could, you know, you could go way over or way under to try and give people a... Uh, uh, um, an, ind- an indicator of sort of where they should go. But I'm going to say, here's what's going to happen. So everyone, you're, they're going to guess you're over, you're under, and the person closest will win a Walking Dead action figure of my choosing. So are you ready to make your guess? Yeah, 182. 182. All right. <laughs> so Jason's official guess for jelly beans All is right. 182. Pour it open. Let's count. How confident do you feel in your guess? Uh, I feel like it's low. 
Okay, so you're not that confident. No, I'm not that confident. I, you know, I counted ten jelly beans and looked at how much space it took, and then I did a wild guess and I figured 182, but it's probably more like 224. Well, 182 is your official guess. Yeah, 182 is my is my, my official. We should. Guess. I know we're recording, but this, I'm hedging we... at 224. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. 182. 182. There we go. Officially write down, written down. Write down 224. No. Oh, fine. <laughs> 224. 182 is the official answer. 224 is the probable one. All right. 182 is the official answer. Everyone, send in your guesses on how far Jason is either over or under. The person who uh, is closest will win a Walking Dead action figure. Nice. Um, and let's say the deadline Wait for entries. What? I, I had to guess, and I don't get anything? The, if I, what if I'm dead on? I get nothing. If you're dead on... Well, can you I have will... the jelly beans? Yeah, you can have the jelly oh, beans. All right, sweet. <laughs> and you get the notoriety of being the guy that correctly guessed dead on the number of jelly beans in here. Yeah. Uh, my friend Derek had a similar contest for his birthday one year. It was guess how many cigarette butts are in the ashtray out on his balcony that he hasn't cleaned in six months. Okay. What was the answer there? Uh, I don't remember what the answer was, but the uh, oddly enough, the person who got it correct and the uh, the prize for uh, the closest guest was a uh, a, a, a date with Derek. Mm-hmm. So you could uh, he would pay for everything, go for dinner, a movie, all that kind of stuff. The person that won, the girl he wanted to have a date with. Oh, well, did he end up having a date with her? He did. Well, good for him. Yeah. Um. Uh, all right. So the deadline for entries is our next podcast, which will be either the 2nd or 3rd of May. Probably the 3rd. It's the 2nd. Uh, yeah, we're recording that day. I might release it the next oh, day. Oh, I see how this works. Right. <laughs> so the 3rd of May before, let's say get them in by the 2nd. That way we have a day to choose the winner. Sure. So how f- either Jason is over or under and by how much. That's what you have to guess. Right. Okay. And uh, Walking Dead action figure. I don't know which one. Because I haven't looked in the Talking Dead prize vault in a long time, but there's something in there. It's locked. For everybody. It is locked. The prize vault is locked. We're going to have to find the key, um, remember the combination, and uh, make sure the retina scanner still works. Defeat the other security measures. That's right. That you've forgotten about. Get through the man trap and into the prize vault. Right. And I will pull out an action figure for the winner. Awesome. Okay. Um, We also have the listener email of the week coming up right right now. The uh, coveted first email of the week. Uh-uh, second. <laughs> oh, the first one of this show, but it's the second time we've done it. Well, this. it's the second email of the week. It's the first email of this week. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, this is confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just all over the place. It's fine. That's fine. Fine. So this comes from Mark on uh, his words, what's left of the real Jersey Shore, which okay. is new. He used to be from the real Jersey Shore. Now it's what's left of. Uh, and he says... Whatever became of Manuel, the character we were told a year ago would provide the comic relief that had us so concerned leading up to season three. Perhaps he's hanging out with Jasper. Oh, probably. So I had to go back and remind myself what Mark here was talking about, and I did a little web searching on the Google and found an article on Comic Book Movie, and we indeed indeed did report about this way back before season three. Do you remember? No, not at all. All right. So Manuel, he was supposed to be 30 to 40, Hispanic, a working class survivor. He is confident, physically skilled, a leader when necessary, capable and smart. He has a terif- terrific sense of humor where you wouldn't expect one. So the guy from Faulty Towers. <sighs> sure. Guy from Faulty Towers. Do you never watch Faulty Towers? You don't know Manuel? I know Faulty Towers, but I, I mostly know John Cleese. 
Yeah, well, he, Basil Faulty. Yeah, uh, Manuel was the uh, the waiter. Okay, he was Spanish and he didn't speak English. Well, Very that's well. who was supposed to be on The Walking Dead. But what do you think happened? He never showed up that we know of. Uh, he got written out. I guess so. <laughs> or he turned into another character. Or I do know for a fact that they put out fake names sometimes when they're casting. Oh, disinformation. Disinformation. Yeah. So Manuel could have been somebody else who did up, end up on the show. Now, there was another character. So they just pulled it from Faulty Towers and said, we're going to put in Manuel, who's comic relief. Uh, I get maybe. And they just pulled it from Faulty Towers. So next year, we're going uh, to get a Rimmer. Well, you know what? Red Dwarf. Coming up in The Walking Dead It's going to be a hologram. News. Yeah, that's right. Coming up in The Walking Dead news, we have another casting announcement that may, in fact, be a fake name. But we'll get to that in a second. When Manuel was being cast, we also had Harold, 40 to early 50s, male, a studious and fastidious man, trying to create a niche for himself in this new world. Right. Sounds like it could be Milton. That, that sounds sort of like Milton, yeah. Studious, you know, looking for a role in, in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe these were names that were just thrown out there to not, you know, give the real names of right. these characters. Other than that, I got no idea what happened to them. They yeah, just got no... written out or something like that. They're from alternate realities such as Faulty Tower and, uh, uh, what do they say, Red Dwarf. <laughs> that's right, Faulty Towers and Red Dwarf. Both excellent shows. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I like them both. No zombies, though. Uh, maybe in Red Dwarf. Maybe. I haven't seen all of Red Dwarf. There was the Quagars. Eight seasons worth of that thing, so ten. I haven't seen it all. Ten? Dude, ten seasons. Wait, but wasn't the last one or two recent? Yeah, tenth season. I'm just uh, I'm going to start watching it very shortly. Okay. Well, good for you. I'm I have, very excited about it. I have not seen nearly all of it. So. I've seen all of it, <laughs> except for season ten. <laughs> all right. Well, that's exciting for you. <laughs> yes. Okay. Let's do our first block here. The Walking Dead News. Okay, it's The Walking Dead News. So we're back to our off-season uh, hiatus format here. We, of course, don't have an episode to recap. We do have jelly beans. We do though. have jelly beans, though. Yeah, it's we, a consolation prize. We got jelly beans. And By the way, that contest for the jelly beans, that's a little something special for all the people that stick with us during the off-season. All the people that don't listen to us when the show's not on, well, they're not going to win any jelly beans. We're going to have a jar of jelly beans every week? No. A jar no. of buttons next week, maybe? Maybe buttons. Maybe a jar of Swedish berries. I don't know. Oh, I like Swedish berries. Me too. Do you like jelly beans? I like jelly beans. Yeah. Not as much as Swedish berries, though. <laughs> no, Swedish berries are delish. Yeah. My, my wife is a big fan of Swedish, Swedish berries. Swedish berries. Uh, all righty, let's talk about season four here in The Walking Dead news. Already? Yeah, there's there's a fair bit of news. Wow. Um, now, some of this, just a warning, could be a little bit spoilery. Well, we're talking about season four and it hasn't happened yet, therefore, spoiler. I suppose by definition it's spoilery, but this is all information, some of it about casting, some of it just about what people have said, you know, what's to come up on the show. They don't really talk in specifics generally, but if you're worried about it, by all means... Um, I don't know, plug your ears and I know people that get listening. upset if you would tell them that there is going to be a season four and they might use a camera to film it. There there may be zombies in yes. season four. Don't spoil it for me. <clears throat> Sorry. Okay, well, this isn't spoilery at all. The first thing here is that filming starts on May 6th. That's, that's really quick. Yeah, it's just a couple of weeks from now, maybe three. And uh, I remember the, uh, the Girl on Guy uh, interview with um, uh, Stephen Yun said that uh, they're casting call was or their call was uh end of april ish 
you're off from right uh, to, end of November to around the end of April. Yeah, to be back on set, basically yeah. getting ready. And I so official first day of filming apparently is May sixth. Oh, so announced. they're there already, almost. Almost, yeah. They got to be doing table readings if they're already if they're thinking about filming in a few weeks. Yeah, probably. Yeah, Re- readings, rehearsals. You know, doing costume tests, I guess, things like that. Yeah. Um, Exciting so times. There you go. It's all back in getting back in gear. We just finished season three, and look at them. Look at that. They're all back on set, getting going, hurting themselves, hanging out under cars, eating sandwiches, sweating, getting <laughs> getting ready for the heat. Man, that's a that's a call back there <laughs> that was a long time ago that was the beginning of season two it feels like a long time ago oh yeah it wasn't that long ago eating sandwiches under cars um and gail ann heard was interviewed in ign and i just pulled out this one brief sentence that she said and it is this she says yes there will more than likely be a passage of time it's unlikely to follow directly after the end of the episode meaning there will be a time jump between season 3 and season 4 so she's not saying that there will be a passage of time that will probably not occur immediately after the uh, cuz what she's saying is that the passage of time is the thing that will not occur immediately after the end of the season uh, I think you're parsing that sentence incorrectly. I think she's simply saying I that. think she stated the sentence incorrectly, and I'm parsing it absolutely correctly. I know. There's going to be a block of time, which is great. There's going to be crops. It's going to, they're going to put uh, curtains on the windows. It's all going to be exciting. That's right. The prison's going to be full. Everyone's going to have a nice little home. They'll have a full functioning kitchen, vegetables growing, all these things they will have had time to do. They're going to put in a pool and a trampoline. They're going to, somebody's going to find a trampoline. Boy, that'd take the uh, that'd take the tension off for sure. It's they got to use it for uh, scouting what's going on and look uh, lookout because the guard towers are gone, so they got to get up high somehow. So trampoline makes perfect sense. Don't climb a tree or anything. Use a trampoline. No, there's no trees in the prison. I know. You I can know. put a trampoline in the prison. You can't put a bring a tree in. Yeah, unless it's a really long time jump. Oh, that'd be bad. Yeah, hundred years has passed. Hundred years. Deal with that. People. All new characters. <laughs> Rick, okay, Carl is long dead and gone. Uh, all right, let's talk about season four casting a okay. little bit. So first of all, David Morrissey will be returning for season four. Great. Now, I know that sounds obvious, but apparently he was originally only um, signed on for season three. And then at some point, something changed, but they have now confirmed that he will be back for season four. Yeah, that, that was still obvious. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just in case, just mentioning it. Uh, Gail Ann Hurd said, do I want to keep David Morrissey? Yes. Uh, do we? I can't tell you. There are so many colors to his performance. In the comics, he's pretty one note, but here he's got so much more humanity. Uh, she was clearly not speaking the truth because he is, in fact, coming back for season four. Well, he is coming back for season four, but is he going to be there for the whole run? I think is what she's trying to get at is, yes, he's coming back, right? but he may come back for the first 10 minutes of the first episode, and he'll uh, fall into a pit of snakes, and that'll be the end of that. You never know. I mean, if he has the Indiana Jones phobia, that could be really bad for oh, him. Oh, man, they should mix Indiana Jones with uh, Road Warrior somehow. Not, you know, because Indiana Jones had that car, that chase with uh, Indiana Jones climbing through all the vehicles and such. Uh-huh. So we got uh, we got a Road Warrior thing going on here. Are so. you talking about the Indiana Jones chase in the fourth oh, the first Jones one. movie? The first one. Indiana oh, okay. Jones in the uh, Temple of... Uh, what, what do you Doom. call it? The Ark of Covenant. Yes. 
Raiders of the Lost Ark, damn it. That's the okay. one. Yes, there was a car. Uh, they put it in a truck, and they were driving away, and he chased them on a horse, and he got off the horse, and the horse ran away, and he crawled one by one up the line of cars until he got to the front. Remember, he was hanging on with the whip, dragging in the dirt? Oh, I remember that. And yeah. he never lost his hat? No, well, that hat is part of him. He yeah. can't lose it. Uh, yeah, except that I rewatched that movie lately, and at the end, he doesn't have his hat. Really? He loses it uh, after he jumps off the boat. Remember they get on the boat, they put the ark on the boat, and then the submarine shows up and steals the ark again, and he jumps off the boat and swims and gets to the submarine? This movie sounds ridiculous. He doesn't have a hat anymore, and from that point on for the rest of the movie, he has no hat. But he gets it back for the next movie. He does, but he doesn't have it then. Okay. Well, maybe he safely stowed it on the boat so he could pick it up later. It is down his pants. Or it's the it was, only explanation. Or it was down his pants. <laughs> anyway. True. Only explanation. <laughs> Stuff it down your pants. All right, so the governor's coming back for season four. Yeah, so here's what Kirkman said, and he's kind of countering this because he goes, the decision to keep him alive was made before we cast him. The governor was always going to be someone who was going to be around for more than one season. We knew going into it that he was going to survive season three. As far as what his role is exactly in season four, that will have to remain shrouded in mystery for the time being. But I will say it's going to be very different. Okay, so he's going to be one of the floating zombie heads in his fish tanks. He'll be his... Whoa, that would be ironic. (laughs) He's his own zombie head fish tank. Okay. Well, if his role is going to be very different, what uh, what do you think his role is going to be? Maybe he's going to turn his life around, get his stuff together, and be a valuable contributing member of society, of what's left of society. That sounds nice. Maybe he'll be happy-go-lucky and run a carnival. Yeah, there you go. Carnival. He'll be the governor of a fair. Yeah, what was that? Uh, we watched that on the uh, the David Morrissey uh, actor spotlight. We uh-huh. watched something where he was he played a, a leader of a carnival. Um, a no, I remember he in, he was in that musical uh, show that we watched one episode yeah, what was of that with called? David Tennant. I can't remember what that was called, but you hated it. I kind of liked it. Yeah, that's right. I couldn't. I stopped watching it. I didn't even get to the part where David Tennant was in it. Oh yeah, David Tennant shows up sort of halfway through. Yeah. I liked it. It was good. <laughs> it was entertaining. Uh, it was not good. You're crazy. You just don't like musical stuff. <laughs> That's not true. Yeah, I think it is. No, I just turned off a musical a little while ago. We were watching Les Mis. That's what I'm saying. You don't like musicals. You turned it off. No, but then when I watched, I've watched musicals before. Les Mis sucked. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and you hate it, hate them all. <laughs> I don't hate them all. All right. Well, Repo the Genetic Opera. You that hate also it. sucked. <laughs> See, <laughs> it's not musicals. It's the individual musicals that I watched that I don't like. Okay, well, I'm not going to put a blanket statement out there saying I hate musicals. I just haven't seen one yet. You just haven't like. found one that you like. Okay, fine. Uh, Fair uh, enough. In on in movies, musical theater, I really like. I've seen Miss Saigon. I've seen Evita. I've seen uh, a number of things, and I've always liked musical theater. Musical movies, on the other hand, not so much. Okay, well, fair enough. Um, I like musicals for some reason. I I I've haven't seen a musical movie that I actually didn't like in a long time. Repo the Genetic Opera you liked? I, I'm not going to say I loved it, but I I didn't sit there wishing it would end. Did you watch Les Mis yet? No. I heard it was long and boring, though. Oh, you know which one I, I, I started liking but by the end was tired of? was The Producers. I never saw that. I, 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 I thought it was fine to begin with, but it was like nine hours long. And at hour five, I was like, come on already. I need to... You'll do something else. See, that's what Mel, it's Mel Brooks at Mel Brooks' best because Mel Brooks is awesome as long as he's not in the movies that he makes. If he's on screen, it's crap. 
He was in Spaceballs. I know, but when that Schwartz crap was garbage. When he was on screen, it was crap. When he was aw- when not on the screen, it was awesome. The yogurt stuff, admittedly, wasn't great, but it was it was hardly you know terrible. I thought yogurt was pretty funny in that movie. Yeah. I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. I mean, no, he didn't say that, but Schwar- the Schwartz wasn't the problem. No, yogurt uh, may have been the problem, but all still. right. So the governor's coming back, and it's not going to be a musical. <laughs> Sorry, I keep derailing everything. Here. Also uh, promoted to series regulars are three uh, people. First of all, Emily Kinney, who plays Beth. Oh, series regular now, as opposed to what she was already a guest star. Oh, I guess they're making her going to give her a bigger role. Yes, I hope so. Also, Chad L. Coleman. Good. Who you know, of course, plays Tyrese, and his uh, sister Sasha, played by uh, Soniqua Martin Green. Nice. All now regular series cast members. Oh, that's great! So we should get a bigger role from all of them, and that makes me happy because I do. Uh, I think I did sort of feel like Tyrese was introduced this season. And he just sort of hung around and didn't really play an important part. Now, granted, there were other important things going on. He, but it's his, nice to see him coming in as a more prominent role. I thought he played a very important part. His role was to let anybody through what he was protecting. Right. He's the worst <laughs> guard ever. Yeah. <laughs> and Emily Kinney, you know, I love her, so uh, I'm glad to see her get a bigger role. Yeah, I think that'll be nice. In some ways, I was a little bit surprised to see her survive season three, but I'm very glad she did. Yeah. Okay, also in casting news... They're looking at a new character. So here's where we got potentially a fake name. All right. And again, this part is a little bit more spoilery because it talks about a new character they're casting, and we will do some speculating. So uh, they are looking for a character called Roy Stark. Uh, Sorry. Are you okay over there? (laughs) Sorry. So description, a former army medic who is deeply haunted by his past, pre- and post-zombie apocalypse. As a result, he's a bit of a loner, although he maintains a charming-slash-self-deprecating-slash-confident public face. He's early 30s to mid-40s. And his cousin has an Iron Man suit. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not the connection people are making. So um, a lot of people think that, of course, Roy Stark is a fake name, and this is actually the character of Abraham from the comic. Okay. If you recall Abraham. Um. The other thing people noticed is that Roy Stork, Stork, Roy Stark is awfully close to Rob Stark, who, if I am told correctly, is a uh, Game of Thrones character. Oh yeah, right. So that you know, I don't know what that means, but uh, um, I think it's too close to Tony Stark, and I think it's his cousin, and I think he has an Iron Man suit, and I think that uh, this, in fact, is in the. Uh, that would be cool. Some sort of uh, metal zombie fighting protection suit. Yeah, the Hulk. Here comes the Hulk. <laughs> or or uh, remember that guy who built a suit to fight a bear? They made a movie about him? Oh, yeah. Bear Man or Bear Hunter or something like that? It's a true story. It's a true story. This yes. guy, built. he was afraid of bears, so he brought, built this suit to survive uh, a bear attack. Right. And I, I didn't see the movie, but I assume he did. I, I, I don't know. He was hit by trucks with this thing. Like, oh, he'd geez. be swinging from a rope, and then a truck hit him, and he, like, it was quite the thing. God, that, you'd think that would still hurt quite a bit. Uh, I think he's, I think it was fine. All right. He, he got hit by sledgehammers, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> okay, well, Roy Stark, so you're going Iron Man. Yeah. Most people went... Cousin, cousin of Iron Man. Okay, most people went Rob Stark. Um, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. And a lot of people think that this might actually be 
Abraham, because Abraham in the comic was former military, I think, and this guy's a former army medic, deeply haunted by his past. I think Abraham's had some skeletons in the closet. And um, the other thing is uh, some people were thinking that it's funny that this announcement or this casting uh, call comes so quickly after season three that uh, maybe the character will have a more significant role and they want to take time to really cast the right person rather than, you know, just throw in some, somebody well, who'll just be in the background. That and principal shooting starts in three weeks. Well, yeah, exactly. If he's in the first episode, they need to get this person on yeah, board. Yeah, <laughs> they, need to, they need to get the ball rolling here. Totally. So um, there you go. That's, that's what's going on with season four. Um, we got a few other, you know, there's a lot of interviews in the last little while, and I've pulled out some quotes from some of them. Uh, in Greg Nicotero in Entertainment Weekly said, I think there may be a wee bit less of the run and gun in season four, and we'll get a little bit more into some of our characters. Okay. So even less sort of killing and shooting and stuff like that in so this season. So spend less money, spend more time on set rather than on location. Uh, probably. People are going to be hanging around in the prison a lot. Yeah. This is really why... You know, most people think that AMC kept the prison around for season four. There's like, we spent all this money building this big thing. You got to use it for more than one year. Right. And uh, if that means our characters are going to stand around and talk and explore each other a little bit more and talk about their feelings, that might be what we're going to get in season four. Hopefully not, you know, hopefully they don't go totally overboard with it, but... Well, I mean, they could do a lot. In the comic book, the prison uh, storyline takes a long time. There's a lot that happens in that prison. Tons. A lot of very compelling, disturbing things. Tons. So there's, uh, with all this, this influx of new people from Woodbury, there's, uh, all kinds of room for that kind of stuff to happen. Yeah. Be very interesting. Tons. Could tons be of room. very interesting. Could be. We'll see. Gail Ann Hurd told comic book resources, we are going to amp up the threat of the walkers because they've started to seem like a manageable threat. Uh, they are not a manageable threat, but it is the people who you think you can trust who betray you uh, that you have to fear. It's the monster inside you, is what she said. Um, she went on to s- imply uh, loosely in this interview that uh, somebody from Rick's own group would betray him at some point or another. <laughs> so. Right. Well, I'm confused. So there's going to be less running and gunning, more uh, inter-character conflict, yet more zombies and more betrayal. And it's funny that Greg Nicotero, of all people, would say, um, you know, we might have more into our characters, and then and then Gail Ann Hurd would come out and say, more zombies. You think it might be the other way around, since Nicotero is Mr. Zombie. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe there's going to be less... Season three was all about, you know, human-on-human threat. Yeah. There, was, there wasn't nearly as much zombie threat. Maybe they're going to flip that around again and go back to everybody being nice to each other and fighting the zombies instead. Well, we could also get like a herd of zombies surrounding the prison fence. And right? they're just stuck in there. They're just stuck, you know, piled three deep or five deep on the fence. And that's a, you know, it's not, it's not running and gunning, but it's definitely a zombie threat and it's amped up. Yeah, the more you get on that fence, the more likely they're just eventually going to push right through it yep. or push down. Or knock it over. <laughs> the ones right at the front will just be like <laughs> cheese grated right through there. Ew. <laughs> oh, that could be good. Uh, no, it would right be Greg, disgusting. Rick, uh, Greg Nicotero and tell him about that. Cheese grate a zombie through cheese the chain link fence. Cheese zombie through the chain link fence. Do you need about 20 or 30 zombies behind them to push them through just to get it uh, 
yeah. through that cheese grater. And but that, that could be awesome. And that front zombie's got to be pretty decayed and soft to just squish right through like yeah, that. I think they're all pretty soft. I have no issues about that. We do know about their softness. Yeah. Uh, all right, here's some more various uh, interview quotes. In the Hollywood, Hollywood Reporter, Robert Kirkman said this about Merle's death. We wanted to see how Merle's return would affect Daryl's character, and seeing Daryl revert to his past behavior, to bad behavior, was something we, we really wanted to explore. But in the end, Daryl had moved past that character, and we wanted to get back to him not having that brother altering his behavior or influencing him in any way. Merle's death was really about activating Daryl in an interesting way that will pay off in Season 4. Push the Daryl button. Yes, the big red Daryl button. Daryl, go now. Activate. <laughs> so uh, basically they brought Merle back to just have some conflict there, and then they decided that Daryl was more interesting on his own, so they killed Merle off. There you go. And it activates him, which is exciting. Um, Kirkman said, oh, this this is from an MTV article about moving uh, to Woodbury versus the prison. Don't expect Rick and company to stay at the prison forever. We will be getting into more world building, more civilization being brought back, a little bit more of a bigger sense of community, Robert Kirkman teased, and expect some drama as the Woodbury and prison groups try to merge, said Gail Ann Hurd. What's going to happen as these two groups who literally were at war with each other moments before, how are they going to integrate? Right, so we're going to have crops and curtains on the windows and lampshades. And tables with, like, tablecloths and stuff and a picnic and all that kind of good stuff. you got to imagine there's going to be some tension, though, like she said. I when mean, have all... you ever gone to a picnic without any tension? <laughs> Usually you go with your family. And yeah. If you go with your family, there's always going to be a fight. <laughs> and you're going to have forgotten the potato salad and someone's going to be pissed off. Yeah, somebody's going to run through the potato salad and it's going to be ruined. And then the police are going to show up and give you a ticket for drinking wine in the park. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, you could actually absolutely have a uh, you know a nice setting with a lot of uh, pissed off people. I want to go back to Woodbury. This place sucks. It's a prison. I have to sleep behind bars. Whereas Woodbury, I had those big flaming spheres that I could comfort myself with, and a nice bed, and a million other things. Um, we had zombie fights. Where are your zombie fights, Rick? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we had entertainment back there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Robert Kirkman in Entertainment Weekly about, uh, um, also about moving to Woodbury. He said, that's something we'll definitely be dealing with in season four. But just off the top of my head, I would say that knowing the governor is still out there and knowing he knows Woodbury like the back of his hand, I would probably, uh, it would probably be not too safe to set up shop in his hometown. Uh, but it's possible that something we'll explore next season. Yeah. They're not going back to Woodbury. You don't think so? No, because I think that they've uh, they spent enough time asking the fine people of this town to not mow their lawns and make it look like crap, and they can't do that for another year. They're not going to spend that kind of money. Actually, I think they already have. I think they've already put word out there that um, if you could just stop cutting your grass for another eight months, everything will be fine. Wow. They must have to spend a lot of money on landscaping after that, because that's two summers of uh, not mowing your lawn or taking care of your uh, your yard. Do you think they offer to bring in people to do that for people after they've they've agreed to not cut their grass? Well, it's not just not cutting the grass. It's not tending anything. Yeah. Right? You can't plant flowers. You can't uh, uh, weed your garden. And after two years of, of doing that, that's uh, that's pretty tough on a yard. Oh, that'd be great. I'd hate doing yard work. I know. Me too. <laughs> I'd be all for it. And be just like, yeah, you'll leave it, leave it alone for a year, and you'll have somebody come in and landscape my yard. Absolutely. Bring it on. That's a great idea. We should film a show here and just maybe just dis- distribute leaflets. 
<laughs> Disinformation campaign so you don't have to mow your lawn this summer. Hey, that's a good idea. <laughs> Filming in this neighborhood. It will be very um uh it'll be very uh sneaky. You won't even see them around, but they'll be here. They'll be here. Don't cut your grass, people. <laughs> it's a great idea. Yeah, I hate cutting my grass. Okay. Moving on to Andrea's death, Robert Kirkman in Hollywood Reporter said, We thought having that tragic end to her storyline, having Andrea work so hard to save these people of Woodbury and find a peaceful resolution to this conflict was really something worthy of the character. It's also something that changes Rick's mindset and alters a lot of the characters and their modes of operation moving into the fourth season. I, I guess. I don't understand if you said anything. Well, he, he said that uh, having Andrea go through this process of trying to save everyone just to be able to not – or end up not being able to save herself, he thought was important for the character. And it will have an effect on the other characters that sort of saw this process and transformation of her. Okay. And they'll, they'll, they'll decide that trying to help people is just not worth it. Well, it, yeah. I mean, it's a lesson hard learned, but we all learn it eventually. <laughs> just, just look out for number one. Yeah. <laughs> this is what you're trying to say. Uh, all righty. So, you know the scene where she was tied up in the chair and Milton was there and he was dying and turning into a zombie? Uh, vaguely. And then eventually he got up and came over and attacked her, but we didn't see it. And then Rick and everyone showed up, and I don't need to recount the whole thing. Everyone saw it. Right. Um, did you watch the video I sent you about the making of that scene? Yes. Excellent work. So it was very, very different originally. It was. Um, and that was sort of revealed in that, uh, in that, uh, in that video somewhat. But uh, Dallas Roberts also came along, and he was talking about it too in an interview. And he said, originally, I showed up and was led into the room where Andrea was, and I took the tools out uh, and instruments of torture that were laid on the table, and then he shot me in the stomach completely unexpectedly. And then I was left to bleed out in the same uh, in the same idea, basically. You're going to kill her now. There was a lot more of Milton trying to open the door and him trying to get free f her free from the chains. And then there was a section where he was going to wrap the chain around her neck and try to choke her to death before he turned so she wouldn't have to deal with Walker Milton. Then they called us all back a few months later to reshoot it and made all those changes. Huh. So the whole scene was done and completely a whole different concept to the thing. And then they came back and reshot it, and that's ended what we ended up seeing in the uh, in the episode. Um, do you think they? I know you know we haven't really seen the completed scene as it was originally intended. But what are your thoughts on that and the changes they made based on that video? Because you did see some of the stuff in that video. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what I think, which is unfortunate, but. Uh, I don't know whether it's better or not, or what it could be better. I, I don't know. It depends on how they uh, how they pull it off or see, pulled it off. See, my feeling is that it sounds like the original version was better. One of my complaints was kind of like they didn't really show us anything. They didn't. They showed us them in the room together with them chatting and her trying to pick the pliers up with her feet. Um, but then after that, they just left it up to our imaginations what happened. Now, it's not a stretch to sort of figure out what happened in there, right? Well, they reshot it for a reason, though, right? That's my thinking is that, yes, that sounds like it would be better, but, you know, once it was in the can and they got it into an editing suite and they tried to put it all together, it's like, this doesn't work. We have to reshoot it. As much as I, as I wanted Milton to live, I think I would have liked to have seen Zombie Milton more than we did. Like, we really didn't see him at all. 
in the final version. No. But in that making of video, there's lots. In fact, he's being interviewed in full zombie makeup. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> which was totally awesome. So um, I don't know. It's all woulda, shoulda, coulda, but but uh, it struck strikes me as something that would have been a little more exciting. To... Well, it explains why we didn't get anything, because they spent all their money and effort and uh, you know thought process on filming that ending. And then that when it didn't work, she's like, oh, crap, we got to put together a crew and go film this again. Let's just get this done. Maybe we can do it in a day. And they did. They did, yeah. And so they, they, took, they cut as many corners as they possibly could because this is all extra, right? This is not part of the original, probably part of the original budget. They might have had budget for uh, reshooting scenes. So that, you know, I really have no idea. But this right. was, uh, you know, a fast and dirty thing. We got to end this thing. And uh, this is, we're already in post-production, and we got to get this thing in the can so that we can put it on the air. Let's just get this thing done. No, we don't have time to film that. We'll just do the, uh, you know, film it from outside the door and hear the gunshot. You know, I feel, though, that, uh, you know, sitting here thinking about it, like, I think my thing is the description of it, of, that, of him being in the room, knowing he's going to die but being a little bit more mobile, being able to be up, moving around, trying to get out the locked door, thinking he might strangle her to death. I mean, that sounds like it would be a really kind of intense, panicky, frantic scene. And I think that's kind of what I like about it. I thought, you know, I, I've said, I thought their conversation was excellent, but, and, and it was tense in its own way, but it was pretty low key. Well, if he was mobile, all you have to do is, uh, you know, lie down in front of her chair and say, stomp on my head. You know, See? I don't have to choke you or anything. Just stomp on my head. Here, let me put my neck in your hand. You know, <laughs> choke me. Uh, I Well, yeah. If she chokes him, though, he still becomes a zombie. She needs to uh, be able yeah, to. Yeah, okay. Back, put, her, put her cowboy boots on and, uh, you know, start bashing the skull. Yeah. Lie down here. As soon as I open my eyes, just hammer down on Was him. there any, uh, any tools in the room at that point? No, he says he takes the tools out, or he, not in so many words, but he says he goes to take the... Uh, tools out whether he takes them out or not i don't know all right so this is a pair of pliers maybe if the tools are still in the room well then yeah he he tries to free her um and or and there's then gives, gives her the, or the yeah he could chain himself up too you know there's a lot of things that could have done but it sounds like they were panicking which i think would have been appropriate for the situation right. well maybe that's why this scene didn't work it's like why would he try and choke her with the chain when he could easily just choke himself with the chain you know, hook it on a thing and wrap it around and jump off. He could commit suicide easily doing that kind of stuff. Hang himself. Yeah. Hang himself, which also accomplishes chaining him up. Because when he comes back, he's not going to be able to get loose. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, so why choke her? And then it's just like, yeah, this really doesn't work. we got to go back and shoot it again. Well, then they made the right decision. Maybe they did. Yeah. So that's why it's hard to say whether or not that version could be better or not. Uh, you know, hopefully it would be nice to see this as an alternate ending. That would be interesting if they put on the DVD, like, the finished cut original take, you know? Or even a rough cut. This is, they put in uh, alternate scenes and uh, and stuff all the time, and it's just, it's got the time code at the bottom, it doesn't have all of the uh, the fancy, you know, post-production stuff on it, it's just, you know, this is an alternate ending. AMC, if you're listening, we want you to prove to us that you made the right call. <laughs> Put well, that I wouldn't on phrase that. it that way. It's just like <laughs> I would like to see the alternate ending. No, I want them to make sure they made the right call. All right. Well, I I <laughs> am curious to see this as an alternate ending. I would like to see that on the DVD extras. Well, Robert Kirkman. Said, thank you. Robert Kirkman doesn't seem to know what's going on because he came. He was asked about this, and he came out and said, "You know, things change in edit in the editing room quite a bit as the process goes." There were some alternate scenes shot, but that's not uncommon and has happened a few times on the show. 
I'm unaware of the scene you're talking about. I didn't know AMC had released anything like that. <laughs> now, he's, he's referring to the video that was released. He's unaware of the video that AMC put out recently that shows the making of that scene. And it's just weird that AMC would put out a making of video that contains so much of the stuff that wasn't actually in the final product because they shot the making of during original filming, not during the reshoots. Right. So maybe they didn't bring him in to write it or, you know, the, the regular writing team because the writers are part of the process through filming, right? And then and it goes into the editing suite. The writers don't really have a lot to do with the editing of something. Right. Because it's already in the can. Right. So at that point, he's like, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to go do my whatever. I've got Comic-Cons to go to and other comic books to write and right. you know, people to oversee and an empire to run. An empire. So uh, they go back and reshoot it. It's just like, well, let's not, uh, let's not bother Mr. Kirkman. Let's, uh, we'll just do this. Y- and... You, Jimmy, write something. <laughs> We're filming tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Well... Anyways, so Kirkman didn't know what was going on, and we'll see if it's on the DVD. Um, one more thing about Andrea. Asked uh, whether we'll... At Robert Kirkman TV line asked him whether we'll see Andrea ever again. And he said there's definitely some room for the relationship between Michonne and Andrea. It's always a possibility. Oh, we're going to get flashbacks? Oh, my God, I hope not. I hope we don't get ghost Andrea. Ghost Andrea and flashback Andrea... Flashback Andrea I could deal with once in a while. Um, that last flashback with her and Michonne was kind of useless, I thought. Their story is played. I mean, that winter where they spent together uh, surviving, mm-hmm. I mean, we know it happened. We don't need to see it. It was probably long and boring and just huddling around trying to survive and eating grubs and worms and things. It's probably not that all that exciting. No, that's not probably riveting TV, but... Um, I, I just don't want them to, every time someone dies, think they have to bring them back as a vision for a character who was close to them or right. something like that. If they're going to do a flashback, that's fine. If it's something important that sets up something, um, you know, something else. But even that kind of rubs me the wrong way because, you know, they're doing a flashback of something that we never saw before for the express purpose of validating something that they've written now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it almost doesn't work because it's one of those one of those things. So Well, maybe they'll find Andrea's body and uh No, they have Andrea's body. I know, well, they'll have to go back for it. No, nope, or... they've brought it back already. Uh it was in the truck when they drove up. It was in the truck? Yeah, it was in the back wrapped How do you in You know it was in the truck. It was wrapped in burlap. Somebody wrote in about it. Oh, okay. Brown cloth. All right, so they got the body. Yep. So if somebody else dies, they could find a uh, a surgical suite and do a brain transplant and she could come back. They do it on soaps all the time. Uh <laughs> yeah. She'd have to play a different character because she'd have to play whatever brain they put in her, but it would still be uh it would still be her acting that part. So they right? put the brain into her body. That's right. Not her brain into another body. No, because then it would be another actor playing Andrea. Whereas this way... And that would be crazy. <laughs> and that's insane. <laughs> right. So, no, this this way works a lot better. So we'll bring uh, the actress back to play uh, somebody else. Maybe she'll play... Uh, I really have no idea. Okay. Um, I hope that doesn't happen Herschel. <laughs> Herschel will get killed. They'll put his brain in her body. That's right. And suddenly it will be Freaky Friday. No, uh, that's a whole different thing. That's that's a different thing. That's two people's sorry, yeah. uh, consciousnesses is switching. Well, we don't want that either, for crying out loud. No, <laughs> we definitely don't want that. Although Freaky Friday was a good movie. I only saw the um, 
remake. Yeah, with Lindsay Lohan. With Lindsay Lohan and, uh, and the wife from uh, that Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> She's oh, famous on her own. True Lies. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. Okay. No, the free, original Freaky Friday with. Um, no, we can't just sit here and try to think of people's names. I'm going to move on to our next news item while you look that up. Me. All right, I'm going to look it up. Do you remember the webisodes Cold Storage? I do. They were good. They were good. the season two webisodes, and they were much better than the season one webisodes, in my opinion. And they have received Webby nominations for excellence in webisoding. <laughs> I, I'm going to excellent say. in Webbies, right? Jodie uh, Foster. Jodie Foster. Okay, there you go. So they were nominated uh, in the writing and drama categories, up against other webisodes, which I won't listen uh, list list because I never heard of. Or I seen won't any listen. Of them. No. Uh, and the winners of the Webby Awards are announced on April 30th, so soon. So Very hopefully soon. Uh, those cold storage webisodes for The Walking Dead will win. And Greg Nicotero, who directed them, I think, and wrote them probably, will take home some more accolades. Now, do they actually give you a trophy or is it a web page? You probably you, get a trophy. You can now refer to this web page. It's <laughs> with, a, with a big trophy picture That's on right. it. That's right. You know, it's password protected so nobody else can see it. And you're the only person that can see that web page <laughs> with your award. It's a digital award. That's uh, a great idea. Are, you heard that here first. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm writing an application. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write it for the iPhone and Android and BlackBerry. and So send your friends an, an award. It's like, no, here's it's your... actual awards. It would no. be like the Oscars. But uh, instead of giving them this heavy statue that they have to carry around, they just refer to a web page. You have won an Oscar. Get a password for a web page. I think it would be more fun if you could send your friends a uh, uh, an award just for them. Make up an award. Here's your award link. Your personal award link. It's got to be more than that because then it, that cheapens it. If anybody can get an award, this got to be a serious thing. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cheapen it. <laughs> <laughs> we got to keep it expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be classy. Elite. We'll use like golds and burgundies and things. Ooh, good. None good of this primary color crap. No, gold is beautiful online. Yeah. Um, so good luck to the Webby, uh, to the cold storage webisodes for that. Walking Dead action figures. There's more of them coming. All right. Who we got? McFarland Toys. In the fall, we'll be releasing season three action figures. We'll have Andrea. Nice. We have The Governor. Also good. We have Carl. I like Carl. We've got Riot Gear Zombie. And Riot Gear Gas Mask Zombie, if you remember them from the Season 3, Episode 1. Oh, yeah. Uh, and also, currently in, in stores is Merle and Daryl Dixon. Re-released, they'll be re-released as a two-pack, so you can get the Dixon brothers together. Nice. And, uh, um, yeah, I've seen pictures of these new sets of toys, which are coming in the fall, and they look amazing. I don't know what it is, but McFarland Toys is just getting better and better. They seem to know what they're doing with the action figures. Oh, they do very much. They've they've released a lot, but this set, I don't know what it is. I think they look like the best Walking Dead ones yet, especially the Governor and uh, Andrea and Carl. The, the zombies, I mean, they're zombies. They're good and all, but the the the, the real living people that are depicted as action figures yep. look amazing. Those uh, the people that make um, wax figures are pretty good too. Yeah, wax figures are incredible. They're scary, uh, scary real. Yeah, exactly. It's just like whoa, that's weird. Remember um, in New York, we saw, um, who'd we see standing out in front of the Wax Museum? Yeah, he took pictures of me. Yeah, and I can't uh, remember. Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Yeah, you, right. you just thought he was going to start talking to you because he was. it was him. I only stood in front of him, like four feet in front of him because I didn't want to get next to him. Is that right? Uh, or did I get right up in uh, 
I don't know. There's photographic evidence. I don't somewhere. think I got up in his grill. <laughs> no, I guess not. <laughs> um, but he was weird. He was creepily weird. real. Yep. Um, okay, finally, one more item, and I don't have much to say on this other than the Walking Dead Empire, as you called it earlier, is expanding once again, um, minorly, because they're releasing Monopoly and Risk. Walking Risk. Dead editions of both of those games. Zombopoly. Uh, yeah, Zombopoly and Risk. Risk. <laughs> Risk. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so that's exciting, I guess. Uh, well, there's a there's big business in uh, Monopoly games. Well, there's, there's all kinds there's of thousands of them. Yeah, people I, collect that stuff. Do you think there's anybody out there that owns every Monopoly game? I'm sure there is. That's crazy town. If um, I collected Monopoly games, I'd own them all. <laughs> you better not start buying them because no, you, no. you you uh, you're like this close to any to collecting anything you buy. And by this close, I mean right on the edge. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty bad. That's why I, I, I I'm not a big fan of the Monopoly. I, it's I like a little too adversarial for my taste. Monopoly? Yeah. Okay, it can be fun though. Like I've had fun games of Monopoly, but I'm not sure I've ever finished a game of Monopoly. That's the problem. I have. I've had people not want to play with me anymore because you started it and you couldn't leave it undone. No, because I don't play necessarily by the rules. I was remember playing on a New Year's Eve one time. I didn't own a single property on the board and I won because everybody else ran out of money. And I got it all. Because I would make deals. I would get like three properties with hotels and somebody would land on it and not have enough money and I'd say, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to give you these properties. I'm going to give them. I'm just going to outright give them to you on the condition that I do not pay rent on these properties when I land on them and I get 10% of everything you make. (laughs) And I would make deals like this. Every time money changed hands in Monopoly, I got a taste. You got a cut, eh? That's why I won. I think you're manipulating the rules a little bit here. No, it's uh, Mob Rules Monopoly. It's the way it goes. Mob Rules Monopoly. You don't play by the rules. You make side deals. Well, that's a good idea. Next time I play Monopoly with my kids, who are four and six, I'll make deals like that with them. Yeah, fleece them. I get 10% of everything you (laughs) bring in. You don't have any money. You're five. (laughs) Too bad for you. All right, so Walking Dead Risk and Walking Dead Monopoly. I saw Doctor Who Monopoly on there. That looks pretty good. Yeah, I'm looking at the Monopoly site. There's South Park. There's Doctor Who. There's StarCraft Risk. There is um, Oh, man, don't everything. let me look at that. I know, eh? <laughs> I'm going to start buying this crap. <laughs> look at all these themes. Adventure Time, Brave, Dinosaur, Civil War, Gardening, Glee, Holiday Themes, Peanuts, Seinfeld, Sonic the Hedgehog. Everything you can imagine you can get as a... A Monopoly game. All NHL, right. to be honest. NHL Monopoly, I'd totally play. Because you're buying hockey franchises. What could be more awesome well, how than can that? You, how can we get on board? We need a the Talking Dead Monopoly game. That'd be a great idea. Can you do that? Oh, a Toronto Maple Leafs Yahtzee. I don't even know how to play Yahtzee. You roll dice and you put like things together. Oh, I got three fives. And you write it down. <laughs> See? National Hockey League Monopoly. I'm, I might get that. Man, we got to start a board game night. True. And bowling. And yeah, come on. We tried to do bowling, but you bailed on me two twice in a row. Well, okay. I hurt my back, and I couldn't go bowling. And the next time we were scheduled to go bowling, I forgot that it's my <laughs> wedding anniversary. <laughs> Fair enough. And my wife had to remind me, no, we can't go bowling. That's our anniversary. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Well, someday we will go bowling, and I'm going to buy my own bowling ball. Mm-hmm. Probably a zombie head bowling ball. I'm buying a Monopoly bowling ball. <laughs> A zombie Monopoly bowling no, ball? No, just Monopoly. You're going to get the best of all three worlds right in there. 
You can get a bowling ball with your own picture put on it. Can we get a? <laughs> what we need is bowling pins that are zombies. So when you roll, you knock them down. Nice. That would be fun. All right, that's it for the news, <laughs> and a million other things that we tangented off into. Tangented? Is that a word? I don't know. It's fine. It is fine now. With me. And we are going to take a brief break to thank our sponsor. So when we come back, we have a whole big whack load of listener feedback that I'm just going to open up and pour out on the floor and see what happens. Like a big can of information. That's right. Uh, a can of monkeys that you open and they just explode all over the, Bar- the room. Barrel of monkeys. Barrel of monkeys. Yeah. That's the phrase you're looking for. Not a can, eh? Also a game. Barrel of zombies. Barrel, okay. It's a barrel of something and it's coming up right after this break. For you, the listeners of The Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial, so you have a chance to check out their service. Jason, you are the recommendation master, and I would like to hear what you have for us this week. All right. I, well, you know, I've talked about the World War series, and I'm continuing on that. That's all I have that's new from uh, the last time I gave a, uh, an Audible recommendation, so uh, I'm going to go with World War Tilting the Balance. What's the uh, premise of this one? Well, it's just more of uh, aliens invading and uh, during the, you know, the opening salvos or midst of World War II, and uh, you know, we're fighting back, and they have nuclear weapons, and they blow up a couple. They blow up uh, Washington, D.C. and Berlin. Spoiler alert. And uh, the humans are pissed, so we make our own nuclear weapons. Um, how long is your commute? Generally, uh, hour and a half, door to door. So that's a long, uh, long time every day to listen to books. Yeah, and it's the perfect time every day to listen to books. When it, you're it's just, pretty good. You're just sitting there on a train or a bus or, or whatever you take, and yeah, and uh, you know you aren't, can't really be doing anything. So why not put on a book from Audible? Right, and you know on the way home. Usually I'm sitting with my wife, and who wants to talk to her? So I just put the uh, put the headphones on, <laughs> and away I go. And that's, just keep it going. That's not true. Usually I, I talk to her. That's a good three hours or more of listening every day. No wonder you get through books so fast. Yeah. No, I spend a lot of time. And then when I, I listen to when I'm doing the dishes or mowing the lawn or cleaning the kitty litter or pretty much anything, I'll listen to. Uh, I'll throw something on. I'll bet you cleaning that kitty litter takes hours. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But, you know, it's one of those mundane chores that really don't have a, a lot of entertainment value other than uh you know cleaning kitty litter house full of cats like you've got we only got two cats (laughs) and they're small all right that much all right well if you want to listen to a book while you're cleaning up your cat's feces or doing anything else for that matter that uh you can uh, do while you listen to a book cleaning any feces doesn't matter what it is if you're cleaning feces listen to a book how did this go so wrong? <laughs> um, to download your free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com slash talking dead. That's audibletrial.com slash talking dead for a free audiobook. book. 
Listener feedback. All righty, it's time for some listener feedback, and this is a bit of a mixed bag here because it's, uh, you know, been collected over the last couple whole of weeks. The whole show's a mixed bag. Oh, so far, yeah. It's one of those days. I don't know what it is. It's, one it's of those... me. It's, I'm telling you. It's it, it, The season ends, and we don't have a specific episode to talk about, so we're just all over the damn place. Yeah. This is a call from Mark in Texas. Hey, guys. This is Mark from Fort Worth, Texas. Just wanted to say I enjoy the podcast. Something that I just realized while I was listening to your most current podcast is earlier you guys had mentioned some episode reviews in regards to one of them being that a suicide would occur and that Rick would blame Tyrese for it. Uh, what happened there? I didn't see any type of suicide outside of Andrea having to kill herself, and that's not exactly Tyrese's fault at all. So I just wanted to add that. All right. Thanks, Mike. So, yeah, that's something we did talk about. Um, it was leaked or rumored to be um, the uh, take place in one of the later episodes of season three. I think we talked about it just before the second half was starting. Yeah. And that was in the description for one of the episodes. So either it just tr- turned out to be completely erroneous. Or which they is, reshot it. Which is most likely. Or... Um, yeah, it was rewritten, but I, I think at that point it's too late to rewrite something that significant. Um, I mean, obviously they could change the Andrea scene around a lot. They brought people back and, 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 uh, they reshot it, um, which I suppose is a possibility, but you think that kind of thing, if it's in the description for the episode is, you know, is an important element to that whole episode, right? And they're not going to completely reshoot a whole episode. Yeah, well, it depends on who's writing the description, right? If they give it to an intern or you know a PA, and they say, uh, you know, we write a description to uh, for the episode that's coming up in you know six weeks. Oh, what's it about? I don't know. Make something up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you want to be a writer? Yeah, write something. <laughs> well, so there you go. So maybe it was just made up. Maybe it was you know invented by somebody completely unrelated. It was. It sounds like it was just false, though. Right. And, uh, you know, we reported it as rumor, uh, or if we didn't, we were completely sucked in and believed everything we saw on the internet. <laughs> well, it's the internet. It's got to be true. It's crowdsourced. It must be true, right. Uh, I don't know. Or, or you know, maybe it was, I mean, I guess they wouldn't have had season four at that point. Maybe maybe a rough outline for season four, but they wouldn't know. have had a description, so. No. It's like, oh, you pulled uh, episode 14 from season four by accident. You dumb PA, you're fired. Yeah, that's right. What a spoiler there. (laughs) Uh, So we don't know. We don't know where that went. It was probably just not true. I'm afraid to say it. All right, this call comes from Grady. Hey, guys. This is Grady at Mormon Media Reviews. Love the podcast. And I wanted to comment on the idea some people are saying when Carl kills Jody and saying that uh, it was in cold blood and it it was harsh of him. And I think there's also the camp that says, you know, hey, it's a zombie apocalypse and you have to do what you have to do. And, you know, Jody wasn't listening to, listening to direction and he wasn't putting a gun down. And who knows what could have happened if Carl would have waited an extra second. Um, and I think the, the answer we kind of get or the, uh, the solution uh, that justifies his choice, we see just a few scenes later when the governor goes crazy and kills all the Woodburyans. And Alan, you know, Alan has his gun on the governor and tells him to drop it, and he hesitates. And then the governor pulls up his gun and shoots him. 
And I think that would have been the outcome if Carr would have hesitated. Um, he would have he would have had the same the same outcome that Allen had. I think that the show is kind of showing us the the, the difference of, of those two situa- situations. So I say, uh, love the podcast. Keep it up. You guys are both very well spoken, and I look forward to hearing you guys in the future. Have a good day. Right on. Thanks, Grady. So um, his comparison here is Carl shooting. Uh, Jody and Alan not shooting the governor yeah. and then dying because of it. That's basically. a very good comparison. Right? You hesitate, you die. Yeah. Um, uh, you die, you kill, or what, is, what the hell did the governor say? You die, you kill, or you kill and then you die, or what it was? Damn it, I can't even remember now. I don't know. Die, kill, kill, die. You hesitate and you die. So Carl didn't hesitate. Alan kill or be did. killed? Yeah, Alan did, and he's no longer with us, but Carl is still walking the earth. So uh, interesting juxtaposition there that I didn't really think about before, but he's Grady's got a good point. Um, Wesley from the internet also wrote in on about Carl shooting Jody, and he writes, Everyone seems shocked that Carl shot the shotgun-toting Woodburyan attacker. From my perspective, the fact that the guy kept walking closer and closer to Carl while keeping the shotgun outstretched made me think he was trying to find a way to shoot it at Carl or Herschel. In fact, I was expecting that moment to be Herschel's exit from the show. Instead, after telling him to put the gun down more than once, Carl shot the guy. Why didn't Carl mention the fact that the kid wouldn't put the gun down? And why was Herschel blind from that fact? He was absolute in his belief that Carl just shot the kid with no good reason at all. That, to me, was a huge gaffe. You think so? Well, uh, I mean... I, I guess things happen really quickly, and that's really the only explanation, maybe. But I can see his point. Like, why wouldn't Herschel sort of realize that this guy wasn't doing what he was told? He had a shotgun in his hand, and he, Beth was there with a baby. You know, Herschel was there with one leg, and Carl, who's just a 10-year-old kid, clearly a, a bloodthirsty 10-year-old kid. But, you know, if someone asks you to put your shotgun down and you don't, you risk getting, you have a high risk of getting shot at. Well, I think Herschel also sees the uh, the good in people, right? He's also the you know uh, benefit of the doubter. That's true. Uh, so he always, you know, somebody's coming to him and he's and saying, uh, "Here, take it." Here, because that's what he was doing. He's saying, "Take the shotgun." He wasn't, you know, menacing with it. He wasn't uh, aiming it. He wasn't looking like he was going to, you know, shoot it. He just was saying, you know, put the gun down. Fine, here, take it, take it. So okay, so there was a, it was a bad call on Jody's part to begin with. <clears throat> Absolutely bad call. Just he should have should have put the damn thing down. When you have a gun pointed at you, you do what you're told. Yeah, it's very simple. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's it it does seem like Herschel could have at least sort of acknowledged the fact that the kid was approaching Carl with with a shotgun in his hand. Yes. And therefore, shooting him wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, the worst decision on Carl's part. No, I don't think it was the worst decision on Carl's part, and it's one of those things you kill or you be killed, and I think that uh, he was worried. He was trying to protect the people that he was there to protect, and he was pissed off at his dad because he wasn't down in the firefight where he yep. wanted to be and uh, wasn't trying, you know, being part of protecting the group, so he had to you know, flee into the forest. So this is his chance to, to protect, and that, damn it, that's what he was going to do. Exactly. It was his chance to do something when he felt like he was being sort of relegated to a, right. a, a non-helpful role. Right. Now, um, there are, I guess there are other options he could have taken in that moment, and he probably, he may not have made the best decision in the world to just blow the guy's face off, but he did what he did, and I guess uh, 
He doesn't seem to care. <laughs> Not a lot. This call comes from Scott in Dallas. Hey, guys. This is Scott from Dallas. I haven't called in a while, but uh, I was just wondering if, uh, you know, I'm a few episodes behind, but I was just wondering if anybody else had noticed the lack of the mentioning of the pregnant woman in Woodbury. I have no idea what happened to her. Did she have a boy? Did she have a girl? Or did she get, uh, well, I hope she didn't die. All right, well, have a great day. Bye. Thank you, Scott. And I think it's nice that he's worried about the pregnant lady in Woodbury who was about to give birth way back at the beginning of the season. So do we know what happened to her? We do not. As far, well, I don't. You don't. I, no. So we don't. I, I mean, I am currently going through season three, rewatching it. Are you? Uh, I've only watched the very beginning, but I'm going like to... the gonna... first 10 minutes? No, no, no. The first episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> first episode. I watched the first line and that was it. And you know what? Go. No, there was something funny in the first episode that I didn't... Uh, that relates to something that happens way later in the season. Yeah. And I'm going to cut the two scenes together nice. and put it on YouTube. So uh, everybody watch out for that. That's coming up. But um, I'm going to make a note to see if we can figure out what happened to that uh, pregnant lady, if she's ever referred to again or referenced uh, after that, uh, you know, first few scenes when Andrea and Michonne are there and they're talking to the greeter. Because I would like to know, yeah, I, you know, didn't see her getting off the bus that we know of in in the finale. And uh, you wouldn't think a pregnant lady would be part of the attack group on the prison, but you never know. Maybe they just left her in Woodbury. You're pregnant. You're not coming. Yeah, we've already got a baby. We really <laughs> we got don't a baby. need another one. You stay here. Let us know uh, when that baby's a toddler. How that goes. And, and then yeah. come on over. <laughs> that would be horrible. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to try to find out by rewatching it. Maybe the uh, the governor has her in Backup Woodbury. He moved her over to Backup Woodbury because he saw shit was coming down and uh, there was a shit tornado on its way on the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a tornado you want to get stuck in. No. Uh well, maybe, maybe, uh, or maybe he needs a replacement for Penny, so he's working on that. Yeah, very, very well could be. What happened to the lady? You remember in the first episode that we saw the governor, he uh, he had a sleeping half naked lady on his bed. That was the that was the greeter. What's her name? I think was it. I think so. I'm yeah. just wondering whatever happened to her. She must feel jilted. Maybe she's in backup Woodbury too. I don't know. This backup Woodbury place sounds great. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's backup. It's not as good as the real wood. That's right. It's, it's just a fallback position. Secondary woodbury. Yeah. Uh, all right. Jared from North Carolina writes this. Jim, Jackie, Jenner, Jimmy, Dwayne Jones, Jody, Judith, Jasper. All I'm saying is Rick needs to keep his baby pretty close. Jared. Oh, no. From North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so all those J people have been killed off. What is it about people's names that start with J? I don't know. Obviously, people whose names don't start with J have died as well, but interesting observation there. That's crazy. So Jared. your name, if your name starts with J or doesn't start with J, you're in trouble. Uh, yeah, but mostly if it starts with J. And if you're Jasper, you don't even exist to begin with. That's, so that's trouble. That is big trouble. Chris from the UK sent in a very long email, and I chose this excerpt, but thank you, Chris, for writing in. He uh, he says, I don't think Carl is stretching the logic here at all. He's talking about Andrew killing his mother. Remember, right. she, he mentioned that, and we were all like, what? I don't think Andrew did it. But Chris says, I don't think Carl is stretching the logic here at all. Lori died because, A, she went into labor due to the stress of the Walker attack, which Andrew caused, and, B, 
When she needed a cesarean, she had to have it without Herschel's skills or equipment. If Lori had gone into labor when they weren't under attack, she would most likely have survived the procedure. Ah, well, thank you for clarifying. Yeah, I mean, that's basically it. Andrew was the catalyst for all those events, and uh, she ended up having to take a bullet from her son's gun because, you know, things weren't going so well during that childbirth. Yep. Uh, Mike from Texas, he compares the whole episode to the A-team, and he says the whole episode was A-teamish. All we needed was Tyrese to build a contraption in a barn to stop the governor and make the show complete. I am currently terrified that, like the A-team, the governor is going to become some kind of recurring villain that occasionally shows up with bandits to maraud the prison folk. He'll be driven off just in time for the end credits, only to do it all over again in a couple of episodes. <laughs> I'm just uh, having a shocking realization. What is this? If The Walking Dead is equal to The A-Team, and The Walking Dead is also equal to Star Wars, is Star Wars The A-Team? Uh, we've also compared it to Three's Company. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, well, The A-Team would be Star Wars, because Star Wars came before The A-Team, right? Right. Uh, can you can you line up every A team character to a Star Wars character? <laughs> well, yeah. And we got uh, f- first of all, we got the Van, which is the Millennium Falcon, right? Sure. We've got uh, Face Man, which would be Luke, Luke Skywalker. We've got uh, B A Baracus, which obviously is Chewbacca. <laughs> Clearly. We, <laughs> we got Hannibal, which is Han Solo. Uh-huh. It starts with an H. Uh-huh. And then we have uh, uh, Murdoch, which uh, I'd have to go C three PO maybe. <laughs> We don't have a Princess Leia, though, do we? No, we don't have a Princess Leia. Okay, well, you know, I am... She's part of the B team. <laughs> I am not a big uh, A team guy. I like the theme song, and I've seen an odd episode, but I didn't watch it much as a kid. I'm, I'm with you. I never uh, I never watched it a whole lot. I'm not sure I could have named all the characters like you, though. Uh, I wasn't sure either when I started. <laughs> <laughs> I was quite impressed with myself. I, I am, too, uh, that you got through all those, so that's that's pretty good. Uh, all righty. Well, if anyone has any alternate thoughts on that, see if uh, write in and let us know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, somebody fit in uh, Princess Leia in R two D two for us, would you? Yeah. That uh, I'm going to go back and watch some A team now. Yeah. Why not? We could probably match up the characters on WKRP with Star Wars. Oh, we're going to do that. Let's not do that. Okay. We'll do that maybe another. I can time. name all those characters for sure. I know. I've been rewatching and them. the actors. <clears throat> Uh, James in Pittsburgh writes, while listening to the podcast, I noticed you assumed the grave at the end of the episode was Lori's. When Rick, Daryl, and Michonne return to the prison, you can see what appears to be Andrea's body wrapped in brown cloth on the tailgate of the pickup. If I had to guess, I'd say the grave is newly placed with Andrea's corpse inside. Oh, that's good. So I went back and watched, and her body is indeed there, so they brought it back. It's wrapped in brown burlap. It's like a big burlap sack on the back of the pickup truck. However, the, yes, the grave, I still go with Lori's grave. The final shots of that episode were all about Rick and him getting on the sane bicycle and not seeing ghost Lori anymore. And then they cut to a few shots of the prison yard and the zombies, the grave fade to black. And it's like Lori has been laid to rest and she's not coming back. True. Maybe they're just reusing Carol's grave because she's not using it. <laughs> right, they dug it for her, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> um, they're probably going to put Andrea in a grave, and uh, but uh, I don't think that was supposed to be hers. Her her body was still there on the back of that truck. So, um, okay, 
let's see. Brad in Japan writes about uh, Team Prison's tactics defending the governor's attack. After rewatching the season finale, I noticed Glenn and Maggie shouting, get the hell out, while the camera shows bullets hitting the ground near the feet of the retreating army. During this episode, someone mentioned, we don't have to beat the governor, just make it too difficult to attack us or something like that. And I, I checked, it was Michonne, I think, who said that. Uh, Brad says, I think this was not only Glenn and Maggie's tactics, but the whole plan of Team Prison. Uh, while else, why else would they lead them into the tombs and pull a haunted house stunt with a couple of walkers? So he's kind of saying what you were saying, that the whole point of this was just to scare them, get them to leave, and convince them that it's not worth coming and attacking them right. because, you know, a prison is just too hard a place to get into and uh, too hard a place to, you know, without knowing it really well, to to search through and attack. Somebody. So if you attack us, we're going to scare you. And if you attack us again, oh, we're going to scare you. We're really going to scare you that time. And exactly. if you attack us a third time, we're going to write you a strongly worded letter, letter to the governor or his underling who will give him the gist of it. And then they'll stop attacking. Them. That's right. <laughs> So Paul from Australia says, do you guys know what happened to the Woodbury doctor? Was she on the bus that came to the prison? She'd be a great asset for the group. And uh, no, we don't know what happened to Doc Stevens. She's pregnant. No, Doc Stevens is not pregnant. <laughs> Was she the one in the bed? Uh, what bed? The, at the beginning with the governor. She's the jilted lover oh, when Andrea no, showed up. No, 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 no. You don't remember Doc Stevens from early on when Andrea got there? Yeah, I'm just, you know, pointing out that All this right. is the third person and we don't <laughs> know what, what happened to. Well, I went back and watched the bus unloading scene very carefully to see if I could see her. I did not. Right. So she's either been killed off screen, still in Woodbury, or we are to assume they brought her back, but we didn't see her getting off the bus. We need her to do the brain transplant. Of Herschel into Andrea. Oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> She's our brain transplant doctor. That's what we need. And then we need an elev elevator shaft for somebody to fall down because that's a soap opera trope as well. Well, if season four is going to be about more about, you know, expanding and meeting our characters, we could get some of those soap opera tropes. Yeah. Elevator shaft falling and brain transplanting. Yep. <laughs> Does that really happen in soap operas? When you watch, I, I really don't know. When you watch all your daytime TV every night when you get home from work and you got like six hours of afternoon TV to watch, yeah, you see things like brain transplants and elevator shaft tumbles. Uh, no, but I've seen stuff uh, like that on TV when they're mocking uh, daytime television. I've seen both uh, of those things on Friends, for example. <laughs> those things happened to Joey. He played a doctor. Did he brain transplant somebody? He did his own brain transplant, I believe. <laughs> his own that's got to be hard yeah <laughs> remember when susan sarandon was on and yes. then they did a brain transplant where they put susan sarandon's brain inside joey's character dr drake Ramore or whatever they, it was they did that yeah i think so oh my god you gotta go and watch friends again i've seen every episode but i don't recall that uh all right a few more here matt from bristol in the uk says for season four i think we'll see the governor and his cronies in a hunter role taking out people from the prison or wherever they move to and creating an atmosphere of fear for our survivors. Remember that the prison folk were the zombie-hardened fighters and the Woodburyans were mostly civilians, so now the tables have turned. True. I think the governor could show up. I mean, I, earlier on we had someone say, he'll, or the A-team uh, email, someone, he, they, he'd be a villain that would show up once in a while just to retreat at the end of the episode and then do it all again. I really think that would be, <laughs> right. that would be the worst thing ever. It really would. If he, would, if he was sneaking around just attacking him every couple I'll episodes. I'll get you again, Gadget. That's right. 
Uh, alrighty, Keith from Louisville, and this is an excerpt from his email. He says, the episode overall, yeah, a bit of a disappointment. I think Andrea just gave up, and all in all, that was a tie up, tie everything up and move on with the new management episode, which is becoming more and more regular with this series, and that distresses me. Yep. Every season and a half, we get a new showrunner or less, and uh, that means that you don't get the long-term vision of one person you know playing out on this show which could be problematic could be so we will see finally mike from north carolina he says i was just re-watching the third season of the walking dead and this time around the ending isn't too bad if you look at it from the point of view where the governor is really the main character season three seems like it's really trying to show the descent of a man and the different paths rick would have gone down had his family not survived or if he had never found them. The governor is Rick if he had only found Carl. He kept saying, uh, he kept saying somewhat, probably for Penny, but when she died, he snapped. And that's a pretty interesting take on, on the season, I thought, with the email to end on there. Just uh, We've always kind of felt that these two characters mirror each other a little bit, and they were both, but they were both going crazy for slightly different reasons and in slightly different ways. But when you think about it, they actually kind of art. The governor had his family, lost them, and Rick lost his family and then found them. And it sort of shows the different different ways these two guys have dealt with it and the way their personalities and characters have gone. So they're just two sides of the same coin. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, I think that coin will be cut in half and separated in season four, where we'll get vastly different characters now. Does that make it two coins? That makes it two halves of one coin. But they each have two sides now. Uh, You know, (laughs) yeah, I guess it makes it two coins. Um, When I was a kid, I used to believe that if you cut a worm in half, you'd get two worms. I think that's true. Uh, My six-year-old told me it's not. They had a worm specialist come into their school, a worm scientist, she called her, and the worm scientist said that when you cut a worm in half, it dies. If you cut a starfish in half, you get two starfish. No. Yeah, look that up. Two three-legged starfish? Well, if you cut a leg off a starfish, the leg will grow into another starfish, and the original starfish will grow another leg. Okay, that's crazy town, but we're not talking about starfish. No, we're talking about worms, and I always thought you got two worms when you cut a worm in half. Me too. I know worms are, have both sexes. Yeah, okay. Because they have both, uh, you know, that way when you meet a worm... When you're digging around and you're a worm and you happen to come across another worm in the dirt, you don't want to go, ah, crap. I'm you're, not sexually oriented that way. You're the, only, moving on. you're the only other worm I've met in my life. Right. And you're another dude. Damn well, it. Yeah. The dude, woman, whatever. I'm just, I'm not sexually oriented that way. This way, whenever you meet another worm, you can do it. Yeah. And you can make little baby worms. That really makes a lot of sense. But uh, apparently if you cut worms in half, you die. Now, if there are any other worm scientists out there, you can let us know. Um, But Rick and the governor were kind of like one worm that had taken different paths. But in season four, they're going to be cut in half. Both of those characters are going to die. And we're going to see different kinds of characters from both of them, I think. Yeah. That's what I'm going with. Well, if you cut me in half, I die. I do know uh, that. Speculation. I I'm not 100% sure, but I don't want to find out. No, and I don't want to find that out either. Yeah. All right. That's it for listener feedback. Jason, 
I mean, there's more, but maybe we'll do it in a future episode of this podcast. Not today. Maybe someday we'll have a section for podcaster feedback. <laughs> what, we give feedback on the No, we'll listeners? give feedback to each other. Uh, hey, Chris, you're a nice guy, but... Uh, but this isn't really working it's out. It's not really working yeah. out, you know? Let's just end it here. Go our separate ways. Yeah. And, uh, okay. I like the show. You're really well-spoken. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening since episode one. <laughs> You've been here since episode one. I haven't listened to... Well, I've listened to almost every one. I've listened. Them, but, I've listened back many times. Have you? Oh, yeah. That's good. I can't get my wife to listen. I listen... Uh, not every episode, and not all the way through a lot of the times, but I'll right. go back and listen to it. I, I really like the beginnings. When you run out of audiobooks and... No, just, uh, you know, <laughs> randomly on a whim. All right. Well, um, I appreciate that. It uh, adds to our downloads. Warms your cockles? Sure does. <laughs> my cockles are extremely warm right now. It's a little yeah. hot in here. Let's do some iTunes reviews. Oh, yeah. You got those up before we end. Do we have any new ding, iTunes ding, 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 ding. reviews? We have two new five-star reviews. We have one from Buzz Hoat. Buzz Hoat. Uh, it's definitely the best Canadian Walking Dead podcast by far. Well, thanks. We're the only one that I know no, of. No, of course. We're not the only one. Somebody else is out there podcasting. And they're not as good. Yeah. According to Buzz Hat. What is it? Uh, Buzz Hoat. Buzz Hoat. Although Buzz Hat is nice. Nice name. All you right. should change your uh, screen name on uh, iTunes to Buzz Hat. Okay. All right. And we also have uh, Nice by Mary Rios. Great podcast for a great show. Keep it up, guys. From Hartford, California. It's okay. No one knows this town exists. Smiley face. I know Hartford, Connecticut. So I, everyone knows Hartford. Oh, Hanford. Hanford, oh. California. <laughs> Hanford. You said Hartford, I think. Well, I probably did because, you know, I'm skimming and there's the same number of letters, right? That's how people read. Starts with an H. Who pays attention to what they're reading? Yeah. Hanford, California. Uh, I'd just like to say that the Hartford Whalers had one of the best hockey logos in hockey. One of the best logos in hockey. Nice. Back in the day. Population of 55,123. Well, that's not insignificant. Yeah. Hanford. Hanford? Hanford. All right. It's almost as big as Sault Ste. Marie, where I'm from, which is only about 70,000 people. Well, thank you. uh, What was her name? Oh, or his name, sorry. Thank you to both of the people who reviewed us. Mary Rios. Thank you, Mary, in uh, Hanford. California. California. I want to say Connecticut. I though. know you do. Stop it. All right. Uh, give us some iTunes reviews, everyone. We really, really, really appreciate it. It is fantastic, and uh, it reminds me every week that I have to change our iTunes artwork or they'll kick us off soon. So I should probably do that. What do you mean? You have to change the artwork. Oh, it's not important. I got an email that says you have to submit a bigger image or you can't get featured. So I should do that. 600 by 600 is not enough anymore? Nope. It has to be like three times that size. Wow. So the internet's getting bigger and they need to keep up with the trend. They need to fill as much space as they can. That's right. They're going to charge you for it? Maybe. No, I don't think so. All right. Let's wrap this thing up, man. No, let's talk about uh, iTunes <laughs> graphics and the, and the requirements. Let's talk about how many jelly beans are in this this jar. 182. So Jason's official guess is 182. And, and or 224. Here's the contest. No, don't do that. It's 182. 182. Over, under. Here is the contest. Over, under. You tell me how much over or how much under he is on that guess. And the person who comes closest... Before our next podcast, which we'll be recording on May 2nd. So get your entries in, let's just say before May, before the end of May. I mean, before, before the end of April. <laughs> before the end of April. Yes, by, by uh, midnight on April, on May 1st. You better get your, entry, uh, your entries in before I eat all the jelly beans. Well, I got to count them before you do that. No, I'll so. count them one at a time. One. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two. Yeah, then you'll lose count and be like, what do I do now? We'll do a whole podcast. 
yeah, that's what we're doing for the uh, for the second half of this and show. For the finale, we'll throw up. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, and you'll win if you are the one who is closest. And if if anyone, if more than one person gets it right on, I'll just pick. We'll pick a name out of a hat. Okay. So all the perfect entries will be picked out of a hat. If there are no perfect entries, it will be the person who is closest, and you'll win a Walking Dead action figure. Not one of the brand new ones, one of the existing ones that are in stores. And uh, like I said, I got to dig deep into the prize closet to get those out. Vault, vault, or well-guarded closet. Don't uh, don't give it away. No, sorry. <laughs> our next podcast will be our annual season wrap-up crossover with uh, Jason and Karen on the Walking Dead cast. Good Half times. of that, it'll be the top ten things we want to talk about in season three. It's not really highlights. I guess it's highlights, but it could also be stuff you didn't like. So it's just top ten things. Ten and, things. And stuff about season three. Count the things when you get to ten. Stop. <laughs> That's right. And half of it is on their show and half of it is on our show. So that will be the next podcast we have. We're taking a break next week. Um, please don't miss us too much. We will be back. And I think next show we'll announce our first Walking Dead actor spotlight for the summer. And uh, you can follow along with those if you want to. That'll be fun. That will be very, very fun. I don't know who it's going to be yet, but we will figure it out before next time. I know who it's going to be. Well, good. You should let me know then. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for sticking around with us, everybody, for The Talking Dead. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. We'll see you next time. Bye.